Though I do what? like that logo you made for the Drunken Dice podcast. I will give you that one. I do like that one. That's good. You know what font it is? Mm, it's not Comic Sans. Mm-mm. All I can think of when you do it, stuff, it's just <laughs> that font of like Comic Sans. It's not Impact. No. Uh, and uh, it went from Sans. Is it a Star Trek one? But like, it is not what? a Star Trek one. Okay. What is it? Just tell us. Back to the Future. Um. Okay. Makes sense. Well, welcome back to another podcast. <laughs> yep. Welcome back to the next episode of the Drunken Dice Podcast. We are only part way there and not completely drunk. Uh, I today am drinking a lovely old fashioned. Uh, with my usual recipe, with that is bourbon, a pinch of brown sugar, and a couple dashes of bitters. Occasionally, I'll muddle the sugar in an orange, but I didn't have an orange today, so I just went simple. Solid. If you watched the last uh, Drinks with DM, you know what this is, because I'm drinking that drink. Uh, wonderful daiquiri. Super easy. Ounce and a half of lime. Or no, ounce and a half of rum, ounce of lime. An ounce and, ounce and a half of... of lime. Oh, God. It's an ounce of lime. Uh, but then half an ounce of simple syrup, which actually gets rid of the tartness of the lime that's just lovely lovely drink and i have got tullamore dew irish whiskey neat nothing, i need some more of that nothing amazing. i need some that's i need some good. more tullamore dew i like tullamore dew is one of a good irish whiskey mm-hmm. also because i know that Daniel will be over at some point again and i know he like of all the things i had that's the one he picked up like he killed my bottle i didn't have much left but he killed my bottle when he was visiting so nice i want and, to have some here barbarians do <laughs> It's pretty solid. That was a fun day when he just called and said, Hey, I'm available. Can you hang out for a few hours? And I'm like, Yes, I can. Let's make this happen. I will order us pizza and you get to see the house. I forgot Nathaniel's been in the house. So it's only Peter now who hasn't been in it. Yep. Yep. Because <laughs> he got the COVID. Yep, because he, he got the COVID. Yep. I but had... this had the covid but this one will be better because we'll have the basement completely decked out and it's going to be awesome pool table i should have my awesome putting green in there hopefully the bar will be set up by then but eh, maybe that's guess how many more lessons i can sell (laughs) and you're uh in kentucky call that guy better and cheaper than most people in lexington so get it I, i was gonna let you disclose the the exact location in Kentucky. So I was like, I don't know if he wants me to say that. Yeah. I think most people who listen to this know where I'm in. Where we I'm have at. 97 subscribers. Okay. Like, that is 95 yeah. people who know where you live and four that down. No, Lexington- three. I don't know. Two? It's not, not a lot of people. Lexington is big. I have a security system on my house and I'm a former Marine. It would be stupid to come after me. True. You'll hear a very <laughs> scary sound if you break in. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, this turned out in a very fun start. We're, we're threatening anyone who who uh, threatens to come into your house. And I have, a, I have a child, so yes, I will be very protective of 
my my family. Yes. Uh, so today we're just kind of talking about random stuff as we normally do. Jim has some more crazy homebrew stuff that he has found over this past week. He's disclosed some of it, and now I have thoughts on the subject. And we will be going over character creation for the Star Wars Fantasy Flight series. Specifically, we are going to be doing Edge of the Empire. We There is three books, Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Force and Destiny. But I don't want to get into the Jedi classes and powers right now, because that gets kind of crazy. So we'll stick with the main Edge of the Empire game. That's fair. Plus, the Jedi classes act pretty much the same as other classes. They do. And leveling up is all the same in that, so it's not a huge... But that's a lot of the things I just don't want to go into. And have the fun of being... A, like. It's always fun being a Jedi and a lot of stuff, but it is very fun just being part of the normal people. In yeah. That too. Being a Wookiee with a gaffy stick murdering people. I miss yep. being an assassin droid who likes to collect the name tags of the people he kills. And having and, your working friend help. And I've noticed that every time I've tried to play this game, I'm always a droid. I, I, I've, I've never even considered playing something else. I'm always and, a droid. And I'm I always a Wookiee. Why. What does that mean? What? No. What? What do you? Yeah, Peter. What does that mean? One of Tell your favorite me. characters from Knights of the Old Republic. That's what that means. That's that's actually fair. I mean, my background is Revan right now, so I guess I can't precisely say much about that. So. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> totally fair. Um, so let's get into some of this homebrew stuff. So the first few things are from a list of rules uh, this person made for uh, a new campaign to make their campaign harder. Not going through all the rules because some of them are just way too in-depth and you actually have to like learn some things and figure some shit out. And I'm like, no. That's stupid. So let's first talk about uh, their meaningful downs. So you, you reach zero hit points, you go down as always, but now you also gain a level of exhaustion. Once you start making death saving throws, if you roll a five or under, you gain another level of exhaustion. Uh, and on the positive, if you're down primarily by blunt objects, you're automatically stabilized, because apparently in this game, blunt objects are very hard to kill someone with. I have thought about this since you've told me. Yeah. The blunt objects things are just dumb. Yes. Maces, warhammers, legitimate battlefield arms designed to kill people with blunt force trauma. Also getting bonked in the head can literally just kill someone even just from a sucker punch. Mm -hmm. That's why car accidents can be fatal. It's not piercing damage generally that kills them. It's bludgeoning damage. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's 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 blunt stuff. Uh, so. The IEDs and war zones. Most people died from going up and breaking their neck from the top of the uh, the vehicle they hit mm -hmm. rather than the actual blast. Yeah. Uh, so blunt force damage is an actual terrible thing. Don't believe Hollywood that you can get crushed by something in the head and wake up a few minutes later unscathed. Your skull's caved in and you're probably dying. Yeah. Um, the whole exhaustion thing. I've been thinking about it since you first told me. Mm-hmm. I would be open to some sort of variant that if it was you were down so many times in a certain time that you would get a level of exhaustion, but not every time you get down and up, because this is a world where magic exists, and mm -hmm. you, I would be more open to it if you wanted for the one, if you got stabilized via non-magical means by like a medicine kit, 
you'd be exhausted, but if you were upped by magic, I feel like that takes over some of the other stuff. Just trying to put my own logic into this, trying to put opinions on it. Yeah, I could see that. Like, yeah, that makes sense. It's like a change to it. What I think, what I think the, uh, at least with like just gaining a level of exhaustion, I think it's meant to like get players to really think about going into combat before they do because there's there's not as much of a like yeah. well if i go down the healer's just gonna cast a healing word i'm gonna get up and if we need to we can run away later like well that's fair. maybe you don't really want to do that or you get overtaken by something someone goes down you don't want to just keep like trying to plow through and letting that person like go down heal go down heal go down heal because like that's there's risk to that six times and you're dead yeah so I, I think the death saves under five adds another level of exhaustion. I think that's dumb. Yeah, I I just doing something like that to the luck of the dice, especially since you, there's already enough going on and, and player character death is already such a big deal as it is. Mm -hmm. And you really have to talk with your. This is one where communication between the DM and the players are really big. Because it's what type of campaign are you going into? Mm -hmm. Obviously, someone agreeing to these rules, they want a harder campaign. Then just know that this campaign will be harder. People will be going down. And monsters will target down people to kill them outright. Right. And that's just the logic of... Because at the end of the day, the DM controls the logic of the universe. Even though you're mm -hmm. playing D&D, &D, it is still through the lens of your dungeon master that this happens. So if your world is just slightly bent, the logic rules are bent, yes, this monster could have an intelligence of two, but everything in that still wants to kill things and not just let them be knocked out. So we could go that they would coup de gras finishing blows on people. Yeah. And that's also, also like wild animals. They start eating. Might not, ha might ha not have the forethought to then move on to another living target mm -hmm. and attack them and just be like, well, I killed the thing. I'm going to drag it away and start eating it. Mm -hmm. so it's totally reasonable that you would do something like that as opposed to some of these like especially the death saves under five like and adding yeah. the, the, another level of exhaustion like you get three of those anyway the person's dead so like yeah. you don't need to add more risk to that if they rolled below 10 like you're already worried because that person might die yeah uh, so yeah I mean and then, obviously, automatic stabilization from one objects is stupid. That's dumb. That's it, dumb. It's one of those, if you want, like, a more difficult campaign, talk with it with your players and your DM and make encounters harder. You mm -hmm. can do things without having to change the core rule book on there. Like, I'll get into later, I've played under a system that's had this. And it's one of those, I liked the idea. But there's also ways that it's not always going to be that way. There's right. a whole lot of stuff that can go into it. We'll get into it later, but I feel like there's just a lack of communication and this DM wants to punish players. Yeah. Except, honestly, I think that whole like automatic stabilization from blunt weapons is like, uh, I've made this too hard. So instead of fixing what he made too hard, he's just like, but here's an easy way out. I'm going to throw some blunt weapon like enemies at you and you'll just be stabilized. That's fine. Oh no, he used a mace instead of a sword. Literally nothing changes other than the weapon type. Yeah. 
Uh, so I, I feel like that was kind of an out for him. Instead of fixing rules he knows is going to cause issues, he just added another rule to fix a problem that he caused by adding a rule. Yeah, um, okay. And let's say one of those, if you do want to change something like that, kind of like make it the magic component part of it. D&D is full of magic. There's a whole lot of stuff you can do with it. Let's go with it that way. Not, Yeah. Uh, the next one of this. So say you die. Reviving got easier? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, so any caster, any spellcaster, can try to revive you, because reviving someone happens by pleading with the soul or whatever force of nature comes to retrieve the soul. So I assume like a Grim Reaper type of thing. Um, and uh, if you... <laughs> if to do this, I'm assuming it's like a persuasion check, because they didn't really say... But that, if you're pleading, that's what I would assume it is. Uh, yeah. Each caster is limited to their spellcasting modifier minus one revives, revive attempts per day. However, if a revive attempt fails, that soul is gone, and the dead can no longer be brought back by any simple means. I would assume then you need resurrection, revivify, true resurrection, reincarnation, something like that. Yeah. Um... Something. I feel this could be a fun little quest line. Like, there's now a Grim Reaper. Something happened, now there's kind of a Grim Reaper falling around, or you're in a different plane of existence where these are the rules. But to do it in the normal Forgotten Realms, Sword Coast, wherever you are, seems odd. Yeah. Uh, One, the fact that any spellcaster is just like, revives that's like, also odd too what yeah what is this um there especially are spells like, specifically for it right um which or like assuming... the medicine kit with specific proficiencies and skills and stuff that, right. that's that's getting up not that, that stabilization not oh, right this is yeah. like they've failed their revivify resurrection yeah like <laughs> I don't. I hate this rule. Like I hate this. Yeah, this is stupid. I... It's. I guess it. They assume no one will be a. Cleric. Or yeah, druid so... or bard, in their game. And that's why I could say like the only possible thing is like maybe a different plane of existence. Yeah, maybe. But even then, I feel like it would need some tooling. Yeah, I mean, one, there's no mention of how, like, this DC is created. Yeah. Or if there's a flat DC you have to beat, or what? Like, does reviving someone get easier because you have a really... A bards are the best are yeah. the best revivers because they can just persuade their way into you you or the Grim Reaper letting you go. They can persuade their way into, their way into life. <laughs> You're right. Like, or persuade your way into life. Um, That's true. So, like, and it's, and then, like, yes, it, it takes a gem or a diamond of a certain quality and worth, but, like, oh, no. Okay. Like, great. You're 
party's probably going to have that money anyway. make enough money as it is. It's not a... Right? And, like, you know, maybe... Maybe this is why you have a cleric who, like, when you go down, cast Spare the Dying. So you don't have to deal with this. Like... So when did the hate of pineapple on pizza become a thing? Pineapple does not belong on pizza. Get out. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Why? Because it's gross. The, the flavor... Pineapple, marinara sauce, cheese? No. Well, okay, pineapple and cheese together. Horrible taste combo. I think you just don't like pineapple and you're projecting your anger onto other people. I think if if there is a chef with a Michelin star that agrees with me, I'm validated. And there's chefs who also have them that don't agree with you. So just because one happens but to be Gordon famous Ramsey doesn't mean... The... Just because one happens to agree with you doesn't mean that's an actual... You know what? Prove... A Michelin star chef doesn't agree with me. And I'll listen to you. But there's video of one saying pineapple isn't belonging on pizza. So I reference that. I still want to know his reasoning behind it. Because it has nothing to do with flavor or taste. I think he's just jumping on a bandwagon. Of, you, you, you gatekeep pizza? How are you gatekeeping pizza? It's literally fucking pizza. I mean, I'll tell you one thing that I don't like on pizza that I've had on pizza. Eggplant. Pineapple. Oh, eggplant. Yeah, no, eggplant also does not belong on pizza. I would say that because the texture is really off. Yeah. That is the reason why I would go eggplant is... Texture's weird about pineapple on pizza, too. How? Okay, besides the fact you don't like pineapple... Shut up about that. That has nothing to do with this. Yes, it does. It does. I don't like pineapple on pizza. I think that's... The sweetness of pineapple, the saltiness of the ham or the bacon... And just the gooiness of the cheese works very well in a melding combination. And because your taste buds cannot handle that good of a flavor profile is not our problem. Uh, my taste buds can handle flavors just fine. It's a gross combo. Yeah, that's like your opinion, man. Piss off. <laughs> I'm rejecting this homebrew shit. <laughs> I reject this reality and substitute a Star Trek episode of my choosing. <laughs> Speaking of your homebrew shit, let's talk about more homebrew shit. Uh, so the whole revives thing. It's just terrible idea. Just mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. let them cast the spells that let you revive people. Okay? That's the one thing that's actually kind of focused on and done in a pretty decent way. Oh, yeah. Wish them back. Or At the end of the day, them. wish them back. Yeah. It also works. Uh, so moving on from that shit show, skill check, re skill check retries. I'm on three daiquiris now, so it's gonna get weird. <laughs> this is the drunken dice podcast for a reason. <laughs> drunken dice, yeah. Uh, so when another player attempts a skill check roll to gain new information, perception, history, arcana, etc., from the DM and fails, you may attempt the same check only if you have a higher skill modifier than theirs. This is where I go. I've had a DM rule that you, the party gets one check and that's it. So I'm like, ooh, lenient on that. But it's still like, that seems weird. People can't even try. Like, so a drunk monkey will find something at some point. So it doesn't matter how good they are. Sometimes they'll stumble uh, into it. So here's my thoughts on it. I think it's an attempt to keep like the 
wizard, college of lore bard, or sorcerer, or whatever, from going like, maybe I know something about this because of my background. Let me give it a shot. And then them not rolling well. And then, like, everyone else in the party just like, well, since they couldn't do it, I guess we'll all roll. Oh, yes, the barbarian knows about Arcana now, apparently. Because he rolled an at 20. Weird. I think, I think it'd be one of those that if you can give a reason why your character could try to know something, like say, hey, I've experienced this in my background. Is there yeah. a chance that, and you'd get a chance at it? Or even that barbarian, it's like, I had some asshole cast something on me once. I wonder if this is related. Yeah, I mean... Make it work right. somehow. I, I think that's generally the reason why this exists, but here's why I think it does absolutely nothing. The players know about this rule. Therefore, the players start with the minus one intelligent barbarian. Oh, the metagaming startings first. Yeah, oh god. And then they just go down the list because everyone has a better modifier than the barbarian who is not proficient has a negative one modifier. Okay, yeah. great. Like that, you just go that way. Yeah, yeah. It still leaves it to metagaming, and it is. But like. At the end of the day, if you're restricting your players like that, like, a better way to do it would be, like, the party has three chances. As opposed to just one, like, you have three chances, but after that, like, the party's not going to learn anything more. Right. Uh, as opposed to just one. Or everyone rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, like, they're just going to be like, well, talk... Tahu's gonna do this first. Okay. I don't know anything. What about... As I was thinking about it, what about after the initial fail check that anyone who has a positive modifier to the check can give it a shot? Sure, that also works. Because... I mean, most, most people are gonna have... Pr- yeah. probably have a, mod- a positive modifier in most things. But some people with dump stats that have, say, like, 10 intelligence or something like yeah. that, they're off the table as well. It has to be a positive one that you've put skills into or proficiency into. I think that might be a good compromise, too. It's not locked down to three. Yeah. Because if, depending on the party, but it's not trying to do the, oh, the barbarian somehow knows this intricate gem, magic gem that's on the wall. Right. I feel that might be a happy medium. Yeah, it's off the top of my head, so it's a complete work in progress, but that might work. I, I think that's better than this mm-hmm. system, and I think it's better than the one try and you're done. Yeah, I agree with that. Because so, what if you have two wizards in the party, and you're just like, so I don't get a shot at it? Like, I haven't studied my whole right. life to do things? Or also, you have a wizard I, and a dwarf who knows the, the runes inlaid into the wall? Right. Also, it specifies a higher skill modifier, so two wizards who are both maxed out, only one of them can make the check. That's Because the other one has the same, not a higher skill modifier. Yeah, that's... I don't like that. Yeah, that's just... Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this. I I like the idea of what they're trying to do, because it does get annoying a bit as a DM when, like, someone's like, can I do this thing? And you're like, sure. And then, like, you hear five dice rolls, and you're like, wait, why is everyone rolling this? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a thing for them. Stop. Okay. Tangent, uh, rant. If you're not asked to roll, don't fucking roll. Agreed. The DM tells you when to roll. 
And guess what? You might ask to do something, and the DM will give it to you. You don't have to roll. But the fact that you just roll on your own accord means you can fail right away. Don't roll unless you're specifically given an exact check, attack, or something to roll. Don't do it. And just because you're rolling doesn't mean you get to do it. You can roll, roll your nat 20, and the DM can still go, no, you can't do it. And then you just are left pissed. Because you did something before you were given a thing to do it. Yeah. Don't okay. preemptively roll. The improved by me. Uh, <laughs> we're all DMs here. <laughs> well, you guys are GMs. Yeah, technically I am just a GM. I have not. Because Star Wars and Star Trek are not dungeons. I'm a Q. There's a difference. <laughs> Fair. I've at least never played with you as a as a, G, a DM. No. Uh, all right. So that, there's that. Here's another dumb rule. I think is dumb. I'm poisoning the well don't on this one. But I, I don't care. Uh, on this one, it's fine. Uh, helping others when you use the help action oh, to yeah. aid another character in a task, you must be proficient in that skill. That's no. So yeah, as me tough. and Alex have both expressed off-screen. You can help someone fix a car. It may mean you are holding something in place, holding a light, putting in a position that they need, or doing one of many things. Does not require you to be proficient in auto uh, repair. Just because I don't know a damn thing about Manifold, like, it doesn't mean I can't help at some point. Also doesn't mean he can't hand you uh, a uh, socket wrench and be like, screw that. Okay, I can't, I can't fix the transmission, but I can hand you the 10 millimeter socket and not if, drop it into the engine. If you Hopefully. can find a 10 millimeter socket, it might already be missing. The yeah, thing I needed away. one. I was changing batteries in some of our golf carts, and yeah. I needed a 10 millimeter. I'm like, and it was gone, right? No, it was there. Oh wow, that's a <laughs> because we keep the door locked. Wow, and oh, only nice. and only certain key holders can get into that room, so <laughs> it's yeah. actually there. <laughs> I was gonna say that thing goes missing all the time. There's always uh, a socket that's gone. Yeah, but it's it most of the time letting... 10 millimeter because it's used for like freaking everything. everything. Yeah, but it was fun letting someone know, hey, we're dealing with electricity here. Do all this so you don't get shocked, die, or blow up the engine. All these things could happen if you do it wrong. But where's the fun in that? <laughs> yeah, golf cart batteries are obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Uh Alright, so we'll move on from that, because that's obviously a stupid rule. Uh, as we've just gone on a rant about a bunch of things, like 10 millimeter sockets being missing. Um, because we cared that little about it. Uh, so, yeah. rest. Short rests must be at least one hour. They restore one hit die per hour to a maximum of three hit die, so a three-hour long short rest. As well as 1d4 minus one spell slots. Uh, short rests are capped at two per day. Uh, long rests restore full health and 1d4 plus your spellcasting modifier spell slots and get rid of one level of exhaustion. And those are capped at one a day, uh, being eight hours. And then a full rest restores all health, all spell slots, and gets rid of four levels of exhaustion, uh, but must be at least 24 hours of, of no activity. Yeah. You had thoughts. <laughs> I do, because I played in a campaign where we wanted heightened realism or 
Basically, this campaign setting took place in a plane of existence that did not have the weave. The weave, for anyone who doesn't know, is what allows the magic in Dungeons & Dead, Dragon's 5th Edition, as it exists, to exist. It's how the Forgotten Realms has magic. Mm-hmm. And there was a portal that was opened into this plane of existence that could only be really done through airship, because it was this kind of thing up in the skies. The technology of the area was like the Age of Discovery, so we kind of were starting to get into like gunpowder muskets, so like the whole uh, gunner feet and everything in Tasha's is starting to come into play, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so it was really fun. I like, I love the premise of it because we were finding ways to expand the weave into this world, so there was two like settings that we were in there was times that we were in the weave and things just operated normal dnd 5e it's exactly how it was but when we got past those established areas we operated things with a kind without weave that uh short rests were basically 24 hours you had to be like a long night essentially like a, a long rest became a short rest okay so there were eight hours yeah I think she changed it partway through because we thought it was really bullshit the oh, first yeah. time. And yeah. we got it adjusted to at least let us be like a, an old long rest becomes a short rest so we can like sleep off and get some hit points yeah. back so we're not <clears throat> spending a month in this dungeon. <laughs> and then a long rest became a week of doing like nothing but downtime. And it was rough for sometimes because getting spell slots and then he was like well no one in the party was a healers and like none of us wanted to be a spellcaster really because it felt very very handicapped yeah on that like i I mean multiple characters because i died a lot in that campaign because i got i'm still gonna go he one-shotted me as a level one character yeah on a challenge rating that we would not have been facing and i'm still salty that he did that (laughs) <laughs> he knows how salty I am about this. I was so pissed. The, the death spirals are, are real. There was a lot of death spirals, and especially it was one of the ones that you didn't become a level that the rest of the party was. You kind of started start back at level one. It was if the lowest party member is four or lower, you start at level one. If the lowest party member is five to nine, you start at level five, and it was like tiered like that. Okay. But it was one that. I died twice. I had two characters die in that campaign. The first one I thought was just bullshit, and I shot behind, and I was complaining up a storm because it was bullshit, and everyone's higher than me and mad. And yeah. then the other time made more sense. The character kind of had like a heroic sacrifice type thing. A lot of things went wrong for him to die, but I was okay with it because he was fully willing to sacrifice himself to save someone else in the party. Right. But it was one of those that, hey, I keep going back. I'm now level one again. There's a good chance I'm going to die again because you keep throwing these things at us. And it was a whole thing that I'm just like, this is annoying as hell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. That's fair. So my opinion on this rule. I, for a harder setting, I actually like the long rest and the full rest kind of things because... Mm-hmm. A long rest could still be like, well, you're out on the road, you're sleeping in a sleeping bag under a simple tent, and you're just you're getting by. You you regain your hit points, sure. You regain a decent number of spell slots, but not all of them. You're not having a great 
restful time. You're you're not getting like a full day um, to like recuperate, or even sometimes a full night because it might it's yeah. probably going to be interrupted and whatnot. By I can see what you're talking about, but we've kind of been in that situation. If your body is conditioned for that, which I would say most adventurers probably are, you kind of get through it. It sucks in the beginning, but you do kind of get through it, and you can get a very restful time. Yeah. Um, that's fair. My issue here, mainly, is with short rests. Yeah. Because it requires you, for a maximum of three hit die, it requires you three hours of rest. Yeah, so if you're, if you're doing tw- two of them a day, six hours of your day gone. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. A good portion of your day. <laughs> might as well just take a long rest at that point. Right. Like you might as well. Plus once you get to higher than level six, there's no reason to worry about like more hit die because you can only use six of them a day. Mm-hmm. You regain them at, after a full or a long rest. So like yeah. hit die is and then you're telling me like a level 12, 15, or uh, say level 12 can only use a quarter of their hit die during a short rest, half of their hit die across yeah, the entire day. And then you get to also get spell slots back. That seems like you handicapped short rest, but you also buffed the shit out of it. And you made yeah. Warlock's special feature essentially obsolete. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Like, the spell slots, on some level, I do like it because... Maybe then parties will be less, uh, like, hesitant to use anything above a cantrip, especially at early levels, where you're like, I only have three, three spell slots. I, it would be nice to get a, get a spell slot back or two here or there, especially, like, a cleric. Um, yeah. Like, Wizards get their arcane recovery, so they can yeah. get that. But... Um, but, I mean, outside of... Low level characters, one d four minus one spell slots, really not gonna make a huge difference. So it buffs the magic people early, and then disadvantages melee martial characters, especially late. Really, it just fucks melee people <clears throat> pretty bad. I mean, early, not a big deal because you're still able to use like most, if not all, of your hit die. Like, at least the, the spellcasters right. get a buff early, but the melee get nothing early and, and then fuck later. Yeah. Yeah. Which, martial characters generally are the ones who don't need to be pulled back late game because they don't have this thing called magic, which can, which can drop yeah. a meteor swarm within a mile of you on a. I was about to say, magic <laughs> is so overpowered at high levels in 5th edition. Like, melee characters already get a kind of a a nerf at high levels just with how stupidly powered magic is so i feel i don't like peter what do you think you've been sitting there contemplating for a bit and we've been ranting well i mean you guys have been playing this longer than i did have but i am not a huge fan of it um kind of for the same reasons um especially the hit die thing because while I usually go for a spellcaster, looking at some non-spellcaster classes is like you're gonna want those hit die, especially later on, because yeah. you're you're you know 
especially like the barbarians and such like you're the you're the hit point sponge that, that's what you do and if you're not allowed to heal yourself more than like a quarter of your damage every time that just seems like it's like oh well after you know level what 12 level 12 or 11 or whatever it was you should basically just let your melee character die and use a spellcaster because then you can actually be more effective and that just seems stupid yeah so. yeah so we all agree this is not good <laughs> no i i'm okay with trying to modify rest in some way like making it three tiered instead of two i think that's actually a kind of a cool idea yeah yeah but how they have it in there i don't think it's balanced well yeah no and i agree like i think a three-tiered system i actually like because like when you're out doing the work and traveling from place marching what 24 miles a day yeah. protecting the cart and all of that stuff like you may be able to keep doing that for a few days on long yeah. rest but when you get to a town and you actually get to like fully rest and like take a day mm -hmm. not put on your armor go just buy some fruit at the market and stuff and yep. just like a nice relaxing day to recuperate the rest of the way like i i kind of like that idea but yeah the short rest and, is what bothers me most and actually i think it'd be kind of cool because you can make it like a class feature that say some like druids and rangers can get fully rested in a long rest time because they're used to being out in the wild and everything else like yeah you yeah. can make it a part of certain classes, or like a fighter too, because like they're mm. heavily conditioned, they're used to these sort of things. Yeah, like or you could make it part of like a soldier background. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, that's a good one. That that would actually be really good, and make a background very like meaningful. Soldier, outlander, mm -hmm. those two would use it. Hermit, hermit would probably hermit. be up there too. Yeah. There's so there's good ways you can put flair in there that people can get the benefit of the full rest with a long rest. Yeah, but without making it just something that's blanketed, because like a wizard who studies at an academy is not going to be conditioned for that. No, no. and actually, that's something you could actually make for the warcaster to be a little bit better. That the warcaster gets mm -hmm. the benefit of it. That you get it with that subclass, because yeah. they're used to being part of that, and actually would rise that subclass into a bit stronger. Into mm -hmm. because oh. right now, with the blade singer, the divination, and the. the energy is probably some of the best ones it's, yeah. at least according to dungeon dudes that's what their favorites are yeah but i mean you could <laughs> also have it as something for for a, a wizard or something like that like Lehman's tiny hut or like any of those spells that lets you like give you that sense of safety or a a, a special place out in the wilderness mm -hmm. like it gives those spells some utility in in those ways or like mm -hmm. he may not be you know conditioned for this but he's basically, like, he's using a spell because in, yeah. in this version, there's no, you don't get all of your spell slots back with a long rest. Like, so you're still using one of the, your spell slots. There's some meaning behind it because it's not just like, well, I have one left, so I can use it because I get them all back yeah. in the morning anyway. Um, that, like, it gives some more usefulness to those spells or having those spells where you can just be like, I know we're not really meant for this, so I'm going to give us this safe spot. I'm gonna I'm going to use my magic, use a spell slot to let us get that full rest. 
during this and, uh, long rest. There even could be like a feat or something that you can get extra like D4 spell slots during a long rest. Yeah. A full rest. Yeah. yeah. Like there, there, are, there are a lot of ways to. I like the potential of this. I, yeah. That's one of the things I'm going to go like, it's not optimized yet, but I love the potential of it. And I think it could have a place in a future edition or something like that. Absolutely. Or, I mean, or, an own, or we, a different game system entirely. We, we've crapped on a lot of homebrew already. Like, there's potential here. It just needs fixing and adjusting. It needs a lot. Which it needs all tweaking. homebrew needs. Yeah. Whoever made this, I like where your brain was going. It just needs some play. It needs, like, Unearth Archon, it needs some play testing to see yeah. what would work and what's actually balanced. But I think oh, this yeah. is a very solid idea. As long as yeah. you take away the spell slot thing with the short. The short rest needs to be reworked. The short the, rest the needs, to be, really needs to be reworked. But the other things are I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, the last thing from this making it harder section is injuries. If you basically take half your max hit points and damage, you gain an, a wound. Injuries can result in debuffs, gashes to legs, lowers movement speed. If you don't ever treat them, they can become permanent. Uh... And if an injury is severe enough, they can begin as permanent, which, like, cut off an arm, cut off a leg, things like that. Honestly, with this, this just screams Star Wars Edge of the Empire, critical injury. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think as it's not bad. As soon as you used wound, I'm like, that's going to Star Wars. That's going to Fantasy Flight. Yep. Like, I, I like that system that they have where... Uh, in that, if you uh, there's a there's a rating on a, on each weapon. If you get enough successes to meet that rating, you can cause a critical injury. You roll a d100, uh, and that determines what type of injury the person gets. Uh, every concurring injury adds an additional ten to that and die, going from like you're 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 staggered for this turn to like permanent death. Or like to death at a uh, hundred and fifty-one. Yeah, that's it's it. um, hard to read because so things. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's literally like every four or five numbers goes, is a new one. It's every five going from a minor dick, a uh, minor dick, a minor. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> that is a permanent injury. <laughs> a minor dick. You get you. The tip is gone. <laughs> So you get a minor nick to distracted to a agonizing wound target increases the difficulty of all brawn and agility checks by one until the end of the encounter. So basically an entire fight becomes harder. You get one called winded until the end of the encounter. The target cannot voluntarily suffer any strain to activate any abilities. So it cripples an entire mechanic of the game mm -hmm. that you can't do. To then once you get to over 90, it gets bad. Like, you start suffering strain, horrific yeah. injury, you roll yeah. a d10, and you basically get things that are just really crushed. Bleeding out, Bleeding out. end is nigh, which I love at the end. They give you a little bit of hope at 141 to 150 that the target will die after the last initiative slot during the next round, that somebody might save you, and then uh, just die. But I, I like how that one's actually worse, because it's like, you're going to die, but there's nothing you can do about it, and you have to wait it. You're not just dead. 
You have to yeah. sit there and watch everyone freak out before you die. You're just bleeding out on the ground, and you see your party go, oh, no, and then you die. <laughs> oh, shit. Are you okay? No! <laughs> uh, so, I I like that. I like that adding something like that into Dungeons & Dragons is there, because you do seemingly take can take huge hits and yeah. basically brush them off. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, in in normal Dungeons and Dragons, take a long rest, and you're fine. Yeah, I'm sorry, you took like a hundred points of damage. You only have a hundred and ten hit points in total. You almost died in one hit, and the next day you're like, "Let's go adventuring!" Like you're not even sore. What? Like you did say that HP does not correlate to the injuries you take. So yeah, and on... after, after working out for the first time, after like months of not working out, yeah, my hit true. points do not fully recover the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine getting punched in the face a bunch or slashed or hit by a fireball being like, today I really don't want to do anything. I'm taking a mental health day, guys. Leave me <laughs> yeah. alone. I have cop time. My characters would be doing that regularly. I know <laughs> there's an arrow slit trap at the end of that hall. I am not going down there till tomorrow. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to have some of my jerky and wine, and you can do nothing about it. <laughs> exactly. So I, I I like that there's there's something uh, involved with injuries in that. I'd be curious. Does the rule apply to um, enemies too? I would assume so because my general rule is if something can happen to the party or the party can do something, it can happen to the enemy or the enemy can do it. Right. I'm just saying because sometimes homebrew stuff like it affects the player just to make it harder, right. but it doesn't like it doesn't logically affect the rest of the world because it's just right. it's just there to make it more difficult. This right. is definitely one where you have to have a good relationship with your DM in the whole situation because oh yeah, I and with all. Wanted... With all homebrew like yeah. you need to have an open com line of communication with you and the dm because there might be points where like you both kind of realize like this is broken this doesn't work and being able to like after the game being like can we can we alter this a little bit can we fix this can we find a and way around it based on my own experience do not let a first-time player homebrew anything just don't do it no don't bad choice it's not good I would know, because uh, I was allowed to do it, and don't do it. Yeah, it was a bad choice. It was. Uh, very bad. Very bad choice. So, uh, now we're on to a magical item. So, it's a war drum, um, attunable only by a bard. It gives a plus one bonus cool. to spell attack rolls and sp uh, spell save DCs for your bard spells. Uh in addition, it allows you to cast the following spells once per day that refresh at dawn each. Um, bless, Prayer of Healing, Summon Fey, Compulsion, and Commune with Nature. Uh, it also in includes the Drums of War bonus action, which once per long rest, you may begin performing the Drums of War. Roll a performance check, which uses one of your hands at the beginning of your next, uh, until the beginning of your next turn. Up to 10 allies who can hear your performance are inspired to gain bonus to strength-based damage rolls, depending on your performance. Uh, on each of the sequential turns, you may use your bonus action to continue performing for up to 10 additional rounds, so a total of 11 rounds of this. Continuing your, your performance requires the use of one hand, but does not initiate a new performance check. 
After finishing your performance, the benefit lasts until the end of your next turn, which would be 12 rounds of effect for this. Uh, if you going up by 5, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, uh, it's either 1 damage, 2 damage plus advantage uh, versus fear checks, or 3 damage with uh, the advantage to the next level of 4 damage and you're immune to fear, or 5 damage and you're immune to fear at a 25 D performance DC. Okay. I said that very That's fast. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. That's why I said it quick. Quick. Said it quack. Quack. So, I like the plus one to both. And that seems like a fairly, like, mid-level on its own. Yeah. Um, however, these spells that you can cast once per day each that refresh at dawn... Too much. Bless, prayer yeah. of healing. Okay, summon Fey. Okay, like that's compulsion, that's a fourth level spell. And then communicate yeah. with a fifth level spell. That's a lot every day. That's, that's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot I, of here's how, here's how I would change that. It has three charges. Bless, prayer of healing, and say summon Fey. Each use one charge. Compulsion uses two charges, and Commune with Nature uses all three charges. They restore at dawn the next day. So if you want to use Commune with Nature, you're using up all of your charges. I would say... Well, depending on the charges work, if you could do, say, like, a 1d4 plus 1, or just a 1d4 charges. So you might not even get all of them back that day, because that's a lot that you could get in out of that atom. Yeah. That's fair. I just figured, like, doing doing a thing like charges instead of just, like, you can do all of these once per day. Like, that is five spells once per day with no hit to my spell slots, two of which are higher level spells being four, fourth and fifth level spells. Um, summon phase, what, second, first, second level spell? I don't remember. It's pretty low. Prayer of Healing, uh, that's like a second level spell blessed first level like those are pretty low so i'm not an issue with those but being able to do all of them in a day is just too much um i will say with the drums of war i do like that it takes a bonus action every mm -hmm. turn you're doing it because that means you have to either do that or cast um healing word if you need to heal someone or give bardic inspiration or do any of any of those things that require bonus actions like you have to choose between this or that. Um, and, I mean, 10 allies seems like a lot. But then thinking about normal party composition, 10 allies are not doing strength-based damage. No. You're going to have a monk who may or may not, but probably going to be using more finesse and using dex because dex is more helpful for them. Whoa. Okay, we're back. That was weird. Don't okay, worry. it wasn't just me who saw that. Don't worry. It I was no, making the screen good. bigger for you. Oh, it God, doesn't actually shaking. affect anything. Okay. Okay. It doesn't affect anything. I know. Aftershock. Jesus. Uh, Jesus. So, um, yeah, realistically, this is helping your fighter and your barbarian. Paladin. Yeah, and, and fighter, barbarian, paladin. 
I mean, Cleric a little bit, but Cleric's probably doing more of the buffing anyway. So, not that much. Um, at higher levels, you're going to be basically making your party immune to fear. Because, mm-hmm. while rolling can lead to still low performance checks, if you're proficient with it, and you roll decently high, a 25 in performance for a bard is not that difficult to get. No. no. Especially uh, that they're going to most likely have expertise in that as well. Right. At that point, it's like, oh no. I mean, anyway. kind of a, a mid-tier character with that normally has a 4 proficiency modifier. Expertise already brings that up to 8. They're going to have high charisma because they're spellcasting, so assume that's at least a 3, probably a 4. Yeah. So you're already looking at a plus 12. If not you, 5. You can, yeah. Uh, but if we're looking at plus 12, you're hitting that with what? A 13 roll? Or more? Mm-hmm. And you get plus 5 damage and immune to fear? Just the immune to fear, you you need a 12. Yeah. That's that's not, or not even a 12. Yeah. You need an 8 to get immunity to fear. So it's... I'm also, Easy for that, but eh. I'm also sitting here thinking about the whole thing. An artificer that rigs up a construct to play these things, following him into battle. But he just has like a little device following him because a high enough artificer can do it. He gets to bypass all immunities to attunement, depending on class. So an artificer could do this. He could do that, but I don't think his construct would be able to attuned to the drum he would have to attune to the drum and use it yeah i doesn't know the basic rules of how the art artificer bullshittery when it comes to magic items because i know he just gets stupid amounts of everything yes he can attune like 20 million funny. things i could just give you like like a one-man band thing going into battle and yeah. it'd be really funny that he gets to do this that would be interesting I like this. There's obviously a lot of thought into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the Drums of War is interesting. It seems great, but also you know it's going to be limited to just a few people. Because your rogue's not getting it. Which I kind of actually like because the rogue is going to do enough damage as it is with sneak attack. Like You don't need to give it more damage. They're probably hitting for like 70 damage on that first round anyway. You know what I actually really like this item with? Hmm. A boss fight at, with a group of, like, uh, antagonists. You're going through, you're fighting, say, like, a tribe of something. Mm-hmm. Possibly barbarians, something like that. And one of the main bosses has an item like this. that buffs all his minions. Yeah, kind of like a, a leadership ability, but mm-hmm. with this item. Yeah. yeah, I think that could actually be really cool. And really work. And then when you get it, you get a more nerfed version of it. Say, like, yeah. it's a plus one version with it. You can mm-hmm. get Bless and something else once per day. And a modified version of the War Drum. Yeah. But, but I think that full version of it could be kind of really cool as a boss weapon. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Um. I just it just needs a few tweaks, which playtesting will exactly. easily reveal. Which 
like we said before, all homebrew needs playtesting. Oh yeah, this reason um, why it's homebrew and not exactly even even normal D and D stuff, especially in the other books, came from Unearthed Arcana first because they playtest. Because mm. uh, there's a reason why some DMs like myself do not allow Unearthed Arcana because no. it hasn't been playtested, and I don't want that in my games. All right. Nope. So we've done that. Now the last thing is uh, homebrew race succubus. We know what succubuses are. Um, I will say their description of the history that the demon has to do the bad with a man. Okay, just say have sex. It's fine. Like we all know. If you're putting this this type of character in your game or this NPC in your game, I'm assuming you in a session zero covered that at least cut to black sex is fine in your games and you're probably not doing it for children. So just say it. Um, it does say that they have to do it while the man is sleeping, which I think is a little mm, wrong, especially because in the monster manual, it talks about them needing a consenting partner, which is why their uh, perceptor persuasion and stuff is so high in that because they're literally trying to seduce a person and they don't even magically do it they need a actually consenting person so i think little little change there needs to happen but uh general traits are they get plus two to charisma live 150 to 200 years they're neutral or evil aligned they came from hell the let's be honest you're playing an evil succubus it's literally came from the hells so uh size medium speed 30 feet dark vision for 60 feet that makes sense manipulative nature uh, they know the spell suggestion can cast it once per long rest without ex expending a spell slot and the claws and teeth they can either you can either choose to have a bite or a claw attack for 1d6 of appropriate damage either piercing or slashing mm -hmm. Uh, on what we see here, I think reducing the claw or teeth to a 1d4 makes more sense since that's what the mm -hmm. tabaxi does. Mm -hmm. uh, so don't give it an improved ability that a tabaxi basically has the same, but not as good. If you want to do something more with the teeth, make it like the lizard folk that it's only what once per short rest that they get to do their bite and it's yeah. more than 1d4. Yeah, uh, that that would also be a, a good fix to that. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't mind suggestion. I know it's a level two spell slot, but a, uh, a sub a sub race of elf yeah. can basically do misty step. Yeah, it's the moon ones, right? No, the the elf is a, like the Irdane or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's in Mordekainen's. I I haven't played with one, so I kind of forget how what the name is. Um, but they can basically do Misty Step, in effect. Um, so I'm I'm not so worried about that. Plus two to charisma. Fine. Honestly, it could use plus one to something else, like every other race. Yeah. Um. However, I just I would much rather <laughs> um just have 
someone say they want to play this and say we're just going to say your changeling is a succubus and we'll give it dark vision to be in a change just do that. or kind of rework a tiefling well it's already kind of partially there anyway in in flavor sure but in actual like abilities that's why I, like yeah. I think a changeling is better because succubus succubus in the monster manual are shapeshifters changelings have shape changer so the same ability that they have that succubus are meant to have in monster manual uh they get plus two to charisma and then plus one to another skill of their choice um the age is less but okay you're not playing a hundred years in a campaign so that's really not going to come into too much of an effect yeah. They are neutral or evil aligned. So neutral or evil aligned here. They're medium. They have 30 feet of walking speed. Yeah. Uh, they actually gain proficiencies in deception, insight, intimidation, or persuasion. And they're given, like, a few languages. Yeah. That... Outside of dark vision, that's kind of right up the succubus's alley. So you just give them dark vision. You're right. Instead of suggestion, you're gaining persuasion. Yeah. And deception as a proficiency, which right. is going to be way more useful than suggestion once a day. I think that's fair. So I would just rather be like, just play a change. Like, statistically, you're a changeling. We're just going to say you're a succubus. And it's yeah. narrative and flavor there. Mm-hmm. That's it. And when it comes to narrative and flavor, I don't mind a lot of homebrew because it's all it doesn't really matter at the end of the day with that one. Right. Like mecha the mechanics are what normally throw off homebrew stuff. And just saying you're using the changeling mechanics because it actually fits really well with a succubus. Mm -hmm. Cool. You're a succubus. You just use yeah. the change of the mechanics. Great. Like, I li that I have zero problems with that. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my suggestion. Uh, uh, I did state that to uh, the person on Reddit who did not respond to me. That's so, what a jerk. Uh, no, <laughs> they they didn't respond. Uh, I need to work close to when I. Uh, when I made my comment, but that's my that's what I think about that. That's all we got for homebrew today. Which yeah, is it was, crazy. We, it was a lot. It was a lot of homebrew. It was, I mean, just from that first one, we could have gone to way more. Oh yeah, you could have. Oh, there were like ten things on that list. I chose the best. Oh no. Yeah, it gets worse. We'll talk about it oh. another time. <laughs> another time. Uh, well, so the main bulk of what we're going to do today is of the last of our three game systems that we've been talking about. We're going to go through the Star Wars Fantasy Flight character creator. Character creator. Bleh. Uh, specifically, the Edge of the Empire. I wanted to keep it simple. 
because you can get into a whole lot of everything when it comes to character creation with this game. It is made for flavor and background and custom. And that's one of the cool things about it. So we're going to go through, we're going to make a character today. And there's even a page, if you go to page 35 of the Edge to the Empire manual, it gives you a nice list of generation steps and what to do. It actually kind of makes it kind of nice. Determine character concept and background. Determine the starting obligation. Select the species. Select the career. Select your specializations. Invest in experience points. Determine attributes. Determine motivations. Choose gear and description. And choose your starting ship if your game uh, game master allows you to have a ship right away. Because not all will allow you to have a ship. Correct. Fair. All right, so we're going to go, and we'll just go down the list. We got the numeric thing. We'll do it once. What do we want this character to be? Mm-hmm. I don't What's remember the, the horny options. bard of the... Oh, gosh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We won't do a horny bard this time. We did that for Star Trek. Yeah, you already you already made <laughs> the you already made the Ryzen bard. So check out That's last week. Lot. So makes me laugh. <laughs> How often Jim and I could make Peter uncomfortable. It was great. And just you throw making me uncomfortable. Thing. It was more just the stop. Why continue? <laughs> I can do this all day. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, and that's what was going through my head. Is, of course you can. And we're keeping on going. Um, What do we want to do? What type of Star Wars character are we doing? We're in the Empire. We're in the fridges, the mid to outer rim. What do we do? What do we want to be? Ooh, dead air. Love it. You can hear the wheels turning. You can hear the gears grinding. <laughs> um, trying to remember what? all of the choices here. I love how this isn't anything specific. It's just kind of nebulous. Like, just what do we want our character to kind of... What do we want them to do is the hard part. We're not even getting to anything specific. You know, how yet. about in that case, we just make them like a smuggler pacifist a, a smuggler we have a smuggler pacifist pilot okay that is what we're at i love this concept that when we're now going with it <clears throat> they don't care about everything they do but they're not going to resort in violence to do it <laughs> all right so peter you are our tech person bring things up we have a smuggler pacifist pilot are we up. putting this in the career or where is this going um, this is just kind of, we need a note of it while we're making it, that this is the type of, if the career was probably going to work, probably going into, yeah, make it our name at first and we'll find ways to do it. I mean, would we do smuggler or like explorer? No, I love, we always told, I got a smuggler, I got a pacifist and a pilot. We're making this character work. All right. I was just, I was just looking at, at, at careers. I know. <laughs> um, Let's see. So now we got that. Now we have to do our starting obligation. Why is our pacifist being a smuggler? So there is a table on page 
40 of the main player's handbook. So we have addiction, betrayal, blackmail, bounty, criminal, debt, duty bound, family, favor, oath, obsession, or responsibility. Uh, I think he's an addict. <laughs> I th- I death sticks hell of a drug. Oh god. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are we going with, we're going a death stick addict pacifist smuggler? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, so type. Okay, <laughs> we are. Our obligation is addiction. Yep. Okay, it's not expecting. No. How obligation works in Edge of the Empire? At the start of each session, the GM is going to roll uh, a percentile dice and it's going to determine if one of the players has their obligation come into play in that session at some point, or they're okay that round. So starting off with an addiction is can be one of the ones that our parties will do. There's also a way, if you want to start in character creation, if you want to start with more gold, you can take an additional obligation and you get a big a jump to uh, your number in the percentile die that it will hit on you. Or you could also start with more XP and get the same hit. But right I, now, we're not going to do that. Really? Because I was I was going to say I think he needs an additional XP and more obligation because he's in debt because he keeps using the death sticks that he's smuggling. Okay. And so he has to pay off this debt, too. <laughs> uh, Peter, I like this. Peter, mark that we get an additional 10 XP and we are also in debt with our smuggling, with our issues. All the shipments come up short. So, so now from using we, the death sticks. From using the death sticks. Where is our person from? Like that's going into the background. We kind of skipped this part in the first thing, but this just kind of comes into the flavor of the character. Where is this person from? Are they from, say, the streets of Corellia? Are they a failed person from someone on the? Uh, just the core worlds that was cast out that they just someone who was kind of lost and doesn't have anything are they cast out from the clone wars are they old are they young what is our they're they're one of the few surviving clones <laughs> they were at the bar and in, in at coruscant that clone bar they got addicted to the death sticks okay uh a clone with a faulty inhibitor chip oh boy <laughs> The death sticks ruined the inhibitor chip, all right? That would make sense. Okay. And this was after the phase out of the clone. So it was it's yeah. a retired clone. A retired A retired okay. So I guess so we've made our race up already. So we can jump to the next one is select species. I'm gonna scroll down to the I think we're just gonna make this human just to make it easy because I I know there's a homebrew clone class. I'm Four not going into that right now. No, stop it. Are you saying Django Fett was not a Mandalorian? Mandalorians are still technically humans, I believe. Technically, yes. Her Mandalorians are, yes. Yeah. At least in the thing for this, Mandalorians are going to go forward. Fair enough. Uh, 
scrolling through the book trying to find the humans real quick. Page 48. Thank you, humans. So, our starting uh, stats, Peter, are twos across the board. Okay, let's pull this back up. Mm hmm. Lovely thing about this sheet is that it populates all the dice pools already for you, so as you so, see it modify, it'll it do it for nice. you. So, um, With our extra obligation, are we taking the money or are we taking the experience? Oh, experience. Which yes. I already put down. Because right. he's in debt. You think he's getting more money for being in debt? So, uh, no. we are, our starting experience is 120. One thing about the Fantasy Fight games with that is you get experience after every session and you can spend it at will it is one of those that you get it and use it you don't get anything by hoarding it unless you want to save up for a specific thing and because you spend the experience as you can yeah special abilities as a human we start the game with one rank in two different non-career skills of our choice they still may not train these skills above rank two character creation so once we get that just make a note that we have two that we get to do we do have to pick our, our yep. career first yep to know and, what we can and as of right now our wound threshold is 10 plus brawn and our strain is 10 plus willpower so we're at 12 and 12 respectively I'm back up <clears throat> I don't have anything fancy that walks you through everything as it is. Now we have to pick our career. Now picking the career is exactly what your person kind of does in the galaxy. Your starting career is something that you never really lose. You can kind of pick up specializations in different careers as you go on, morphing the exact character you want, which is really cool with the specialization that uh, Edge of the Empire has to offer. But your base one is always going to kind of be you kind of fall back on how you got into this whole thing to begin with. Yep. By the way, page 83. And that's the pilot, I'm guessing? That's the smuggler pilot. Okay, so, so we're there. That's literally everything. So we're going to the smuggler and then there's like the different subcategories of the talent trees that you can get. We're going yeah. the pilot. Yeah. So in this one they have of other things other than the smuggler. They have hired guns, colonists, explorers, uh, things like Slicers. that. Slicers. Slicers. Yeah. With um, other books, you get mercenaries. Mercenaries and the like. There's there's a lot to choose from. There's a lot. Um, of... I think military commanders and age of rebellion stuff like that. Yeah. And if you go on, if you look at that book, you'll see that there's different costs that you can get by spending experience. That you can get different stuff. I would recommend not spending too much in the trees and character creation because there's only certain things you can do with your skills and your stats and character creation that once you start the game, you can't do anymore. Mm -hmm. And these are things you can always spend during the game. Yeah. So it's one of those things that you want to do it. You want to make, you want to buff your character during creation, not mm -hmm. go deep into the skills because you don't have a chance to increase the match work. Yeah, unlike right. D&D, there is no ability score increase where you can 
change your base scores like those are yeah. what they are after character creation so yeah they don't outside of them. like lopping off an arm and putting on a cybernetic implant or something like yeah. that right yeah. and turning that, fully into grievous and we kind of hit this with our specializations like going on a smuggler is kind of a career path where the pilot section of that is going to be your specialization so each specialization includes four additional career skills these four career skills should be marked on the character sheet as career skills if they are not already marked. Jim, can you look up the pilot ones for us so we can start marking each Yep. Uh, the pilot's career skills are coordination, deception, knowledge, underworld, perception, piloting space, skullduggery, streetwise, and vigilance. And can you go to the smuggler itself and pull up those career skills so we can have it? Well, I think those are the smuggler ones because then it has the pilot bonus ones yeah what are the pilot bonus ones uh the pilot bonus ones are astrogation gunnery piloting planetary and piloting space now with these career skills it just kind of affects how you get your you can level up different if you look in there you see those ranks in that same thing with each skill to get different ranks in things it will cost 10 experience times whatever rank it's going to be. So say I was going from 2 to 3 in a rank of, say, um, cool. It would go, I would need 30 experience to go from 2 to 3. However, if it's one of your career skills, it is only 5 times that level. So it essentially cuts that cost in half. So it's one thing it helps you get really good at what you do and it makes it easier to get better which is so nice. now once we get that specialization now we have 120 experience points to actually invest into what we want to do so yeah i'm thinking we put nothing towards braun nothing yet He's still a pacifist, so... Yeah, it's not... I... And 2 is still... It's it's kind of average. As a clone, he's going to be strong, but it's not going to be one that you're going to put a lot of things yeah. into. We're talking a reg. We're not talking Wrecker, so... Yeah, we're yeah. definitely not Wrecker. Wrecker would not be described as a pacifist. No. <laughs> the opposite of that, I think he would be. Uh, he likes to blow stuff up. I mean, I guess that's technically not breaking pacifism if no one is inside the thing that's being blown up. I mean, kind of. I mean, when you really think about it. The, <laughs> when the, you really... The question is, are droids things that they would not want to kill? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, that's... And I'm looking in the specifics of right now and how improving your... Because you cannot go above a certain number during character creation, and I want to make sure I'm doing that right. You can't, go to, you can't go above rank 2 in character creation. Yes, that is correct. Right. What page is that on, Peter, so we can... That oh, I don't. That? I don't remember, but we said it a little earlier. Yeah, that's yeah. that's for uh, 
That's for the skills, putting rank in skills. Yeah, and not the your attributes themselves. Oh, the attributes? Yeah. I yeah. think it was like they can't go above. It's four. Uh, uh, 92? 92? Okay, thank you. Uh, this book is uh, characteristics. The only time a character can increase characteristics with an yeah. experience okay. point, it's 10 times the purchase rating. Yeah. During uh, character creation, no characteristic can be increased higher than 5. five. During oh, a yeah. course, course of play, no it's... characteristic can be increased higher than 6. Yep. Okay. This book is thick and is a lot to remember. You see my tabs and everything, and that's just when I'm running it, so I remember how fear and all those sort of mechanics yeah. work. Which is I mean, like, frankly, oh. I don't think uh, I don't think the topping off at five is really concerned. I don't think we're going that's to use that much experience. We don't not. have that much experience to I think get one attribute to five, right? Because it's not I want to get it up to five, so it's fifty experience. No, it's the thirty experience for three, the forty experience for four, and then the fifty experience for five. Which yeah. is like all of our experience. That's so I think I think we could spend literally all of our experience to get one thing to rank five. If my math is right. I don't think we should get our agility up soon. Because if we're going to be a pilot, I think having at least one more in that is gonna be good. Yeah. I mean that is the skill that piloting uses, so Yes. So I would say we spend thirty of our 120 to get at least to three in piloting or in agility. Okay, so that brings us down to 90, and then we get another in agility. Look at that lovely dice population. So nice. It is nice. Mm -hmm. You're really thrilled about automatically uh, filling stuff, and I appreciate it because it's it is good. Um, what we, uh, need to, we need to start building some of our ranks too because that's going to be important we need to put at least get presence up to three because you're gonna have for this guy yeah. to last this long he's gonna need some negotiation powers I agree with that I think that's good <laughs> so getting that up to three would not be a bad so thing we're, that's good. We're, so we're spending another, so 30. No, another 30 to get presence up to three yeah that's good all right, and let's also move our um, our strain threshold to 13 because we upped our agility. Perfect. Now we got to start taking some ranks in different stuff. Remember, we get two non-career skill ranks because of... We do get two non-career skills. I think both of those should go into negotiation. <laughs> I agree. I think that is a great way of doing it. All right, and we can erase that. Perfect. All right, that's in. Uh, I say we should move, what, spend the 20 XP to get our piloting as high as we're allowed to go in character creation? Piloting space? That's all for both of Because that's going to be five, and then... Ten, so it's going to be 30 experience to get both of them up to... Yeah, up to rank two. Up to rank two. I think, I think that would be. Yeah, that leaves us thirty more to play with. We are a pilot. I think that was it's. Yes. Um. Which, 
Might I also suggest 15 into astrogation? That's, I think that's also a good idea on that. So does that bump it up twice? or That bumps it up twice, yeah. Yep. Okay. Since it's a career skill. Good. And Maybe uh... like five to just put one in deception. I would say discipline. I know it's not a career skill. It is. A but in order skill. to. It is. Okay, good. Then I would say at least one in discipline because in order to stay this this long, I think that person would have to be probably pretty disciplined in order to keep doing Actually, that. No, it's not, not, I'm sorry. Deception's career. Deception's not. Career. I was, I, they're both D. Oh, they're D. right next to each other. 10 for discipline. Mm-hmm. Which I. Had. So that leaves us with five. Yeah. We want to do that okay. five in deception then. I would say honestly, going to the character, I would say streetwise because he has to keep getting his death stick somewhere. Well, that's why he's always running up, running up short on his smuggling operations. Yep. I he's, think he's he would stick. need some streetwise in there. Okay. I just I was figuring deception to be like uh, a a droid ate him. <laughs> Actually, we want to leave this at the 120 total, and the available is zero. Yeah. I'm, I'm yes. sorry. That's yeah. how you mark that. Yeah. And I think it's I one just... of those that it... Uh... I bet sure. he's at least smart enough to not do death stick smuggling, because he's going to get crushed in that regard. I mean... If he's around this long, he's not... At, at least he won't do death stick smuggling anymore. <laughs> he made that mistake once. He made that mistake, and that's why he's in debt. Right. Yes. That's yeah. Then once he got the debt, he's not doing it again. So he's like, I really fucked up. Yeah, I, this is bad. Not doing it. Uh, perfect. Now, we need. We got that. The derived attributes. We leveled that stuff up. Now we need the starting motivations. Why? I mean, we have the obligation. This guy is doing it just to kind of uh, survive this whole thing. Yep. So, motivations provides additional story elements for both the player and the GM to draw from. Characters can gain additional experience points if the GM determines that the player kept true to the character's motivation throughout the course of the adventure. Uh, pay off the debt, I think, is probably it. Is the big motivation for this I mean, character. For that, yes. But also, like, what's his motivation to be mm-hmm. a pacifist? Yeah. Because they say the three primary motivations for which a player may choose is ambition, cause, or relationship. I would say probably cause is what this one would go for. I mean, cause in that factor, but also, like, you could, I mean, you could do so much in this. Like, why did he get into this life in the first place? Like, why is he not just a normal pilot? Why is he a smuggler? Outside of, because for death sticks, but, like could be people he knew or interacted with post-war mm-hmm. went into this. So yeah, I mean, he could be a, a crew of former clones or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. So like that relationship, he, he doesn't want, he, he doesn't want to kill, but he's doing this to help out his friends. Yeah. Uh, or he could fall under the comrades. Yeah. Sure. He's a pacifist because he saw what happened to his friends and doesn't want to do that to other people. Or he started doing death sticks right before Order 66. Or just and watched after Order 66. 
and what yeah because of order 66 and he had some sort of failure in his chip that yeah. caused him to feel all of that and then the death sticks themselves kind of broke him out of it and but he's still coming to terms with everything that happened yeah and we're seeing in the bad batch that the clones turned into dicks they did that. and you also have to remember from uh from uh Clone Wars, they were kind of party animals when yes. they were in Coruscant. They are party animals. They were at party. So it could have been like he was totally down for Order 66. Someone offered him some death sticks. And instead of, you know, you don't want to give me death sticks, you want to go home and rethink your life, he was like, yeah, okay. And then it <laughs> his inhibitor chip. And he was like, what did we just do? What the fuck? Um, or. He could have been a part of, like, say, the 501st. And Ooh, even darker. Entire, an entire detachment went down. Because during the thing at Mandalore, all of those clones with Ahsoka are gone. Yep. The well, only ones that are still around are the ones that committed the slaughter at the Jedi Temple. And Rex. But they don't know but, that. But Rex is <laughs> presumed dead. I know. But he did survive the crash. I was just... Yes, but this clone wouldn't know that. <clears throat> Fair enough. So all he knows that the two people he trusted the most, one was cast out of the military before with Ahsoka. One is presumed dead and no one knows. And then Rex went down with everyone when the one who was cast out came back. I mean... Presumably all three yeah. are dead. Because yeah. even Ahsoka's presumed dead because she was... Yep, Ahsoka is presumed dead. And it can just be a whole... That... <laughs> He's been through a lot. Has been through a lot. So death sticks. Yes. And he just got released from the military a few years after when the clones were phased out and now he's just on Coruscant. And he smoked himself into nothing. And he had to take jobs from the uh, the underground there. Perfect. But he refused to hurt anyone with it because he's seen enough of death in that. Yeah. And then smoking the death sticks hurt the chip. And he had to come to terms with all the things that happened since Order 66 got activated. Mm-hmm. And he refuses to do that again. Yeah. So I would say comrades, mentor. There's a lot of the specific relationships part of the motivation that could fit. He's got some 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 deep motives. Yep, there's a lot. Extended family. I think that's actually one that probably falls the best because that I would say that's probably even yeah. deeper than comrades. I would say extended family. They are brothers. They are brothers. And how much they all look to Ahsoka and Anakin for everything. True. Mm -hmm. We can put two. Let's put comrades in the other one, too, because I feel like that would fit. Yeah. Oh, definitely would fit. Like, I love that. I like this character. This is a, good, this is a fun character. All right. A fun character. We just described horrible, horrific backstory. You're like, this is fun. Yeah. I mean, you've made a thing. Specifically because of what I do with characters half the time. 
So, let's be honest. I haven't made anything based on your characters yet. I thought you've talked about it. I have talked about it. I haven't made it. The overly depressing backstory, whatever it is. It's in the works. Uh, (laughs) My characters (laughs) always had something terrible happen to them. Always. Always. Some of mine. And they're always generally very impulsive as well. Probably because of their horribly depressing backstories that they're very impulsive. And he was given a dog to comfort him as an emotional support dog. Then it got cancer and died. (laughs) Yes. I love how you didn't use the real word example of my entire people were genocided, but you went with a dog, a support dog that then got cancer. (laughs) I'm leaving some things for the video, okay? (laughs) Bye. So, gear and description. He's a clone. You know He's what a... he looks like. That's we. That that's an easy one. Yeah, I don't remember the. Uh... I know of it, but clone, 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 clone. <laughs> Tamara Morrison, Tamara Morrison, Tamara Morrison. Right. Tamara. But we know he's a male. Django, 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 Django. He's like four. <laughs> <laughs> think... No, by this point. He's probably ten. No, because five years ago they were still they were like ten years old when they showed him in Attack of the Clones. Okay. He's probably twenty-one okay. at this point. Drinking age. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Or I mean, it's not like they didn't replenish, you know, the fifty-first with new clones as they lost people. He could still be fairly young. I like the 21 because they're kind of teenagers going to that. I'm okay with him being a bit on the older side, getting those connections, and then losing them all. Fair. (laughs) Of course, it's more tragic that way. Exactly. (laughs) Apparently, this is the actual clone height. There you go. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Build. I don't remember the designations in this, but it's just, you know, medium. We'll say hair, black eyes yes brown <laughs> yes <laughs> i don't know notable features clone <laughs> yeah the clone he's going to be recognized as a clone yeah oh does he have any individual tattoos because a lot of them had that that's true and uh, what was his nickname we need his nickname oh we do need his nickname well that goes up here Yeah, and that's going to be what his actual name is. Although we'll put, like, pacifist down. Maybe, like, Strafer or something like that? Because he was a pilot. He could have gone, like, Yeah, say, I'm thinking something pilot-wise. Yeah, that's what I'm, like, just... Yeah. But then I'm thinking of, like, some of the nicknames actual pilots get. oddball. call signs. Not particularly. I'm not thinking call signs, but it's going to be something... I want to do something that kind of kind of destructive. I think he was one of the he was one of the go getters in the pilots. He, he he flew like a bomb or something. He blew shit up. That or like an arc one thirty. Yeah. Well, when... hmm. Let's look at what are some of the clone nicknames. Boomer. <laughs> Let's go, Battlestar. Okay. <laughs> There's a clone nickname generator. 
What? Yeah, that's that's horrible. Like no, get out. There's a clone named Generator. That that sounds awful. It's it's pretty awful. Yeah, these are all awful. Yeah. Chase effect. No, those aren't even clone nicknames. Those aren't even. Binks. Binks. Uh... Yeah, that's just horrible. Ooh, we can actually kind of make this someone who is part of the Five of First, an actual clone. Make it broadside. One of the pilots on there. Yeah, it could do an actual person. And he lost a lot of people. He's part of Shadow Squadron, so he lost a lot of people. He was never officially killed or anything like that. I think Broadside is a good person. We can do a continuation of an actual character with this if we didn't. Okay, so we'll... Uh... Yeah. yeah. He's the minimum casualties, maximum effectiveness. That's us. That's actually a perfect character to kind of put into this, too. Yeah. Works for me. And he was there during the entire thing. He fought with Anakin, Ahsoka, lost a lot of people and all that. That's... Mm-hmm. And he piloted B-Wing, uh, Y-Wings. Yeah. It's all bomber, <laughs> yeah. And he helped fight the, male- the Malevolence. Ooh. And he was close friends with Matchstick. Yeah. a great pilot name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who died. Yeah, this well. This guy... It's one of your backstories. Everyone dies. Everyone dies. Everybody um, I would say, I'm going to put, he has a tattoo of a matchstick on the sides of his head. It's, there's a match on there. Kind of like where Fives has his five. He has a match on there to commensurate his brother. Teardrop tattoos. Because he's an OG. Oh, look. There it is. Sweet. Uh, And what's his ship going to be? I think being a pilot, we should give him a ship. Do we we give him a ship, or is he just piloting ships for other people? Like the huts. I would say he would still have to have one. I don't think he would be trusted with a ship. We kind of... That's fair. Go to the ship sections of this capital to the end. Not a capital ship. He does not have a capital ship. What? Why not? Seems totally reasonable. Death sticks. The whole thing. Every room is death sticks. <laughs> Every room is death sticks. He is committed to his cause. <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't still have a Y-Wing. No. No. Where's the, um... I know it's in here. Where did it go? 
What are you looking for? Um, the Hawk 290. It's a Kyle Katarn ship from the Dark Forces games. It hauls a little bit of cargo. It's pretty small. Is that in this one, or is that in Force? It might Destiny? be in Force and Destiny. I, I remember it's in one of these books. I just can't find it. Maybe it's in Force and Destiny. Well, I have that book right here, so... I think it is because it's. I'm sl flipping between like starfighters and capital ships, and it's definitely not a capital ship. It is like a two-man ship. It's 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 dinky. Let me see if I can find it. I've seen it. The fun part, I have to flip through the actual book now to find it. Ooh, I'm right here. What if he just flies the slave too? <laughs> I just love that the slate tube thing, and it looks like, frankly, it looks a little like the uh, horrible, like safety minivan from Futurama mm -hmm. when they get the new ship. Yeah, yeah. It's like this gray box. There. It, uh, that's not it. Ooh, the Hawk two ninety. Is that what you said? That's what I thought. Yeah, it's in Force and Destiny. It's on page 263. Which is very yeah. similar to the ship Anakin and his hat in Clone Wars. Well, that's not the one I'm thinking of, but yeah. So that's Oh, that's the, C, the G9 Rigger. That's the G9 Rigger. Rigger light freighter. No, the... Uh... I actually think that one's a bit better. Yeah, the the ship I'm thinking of is this guy right here. I think the, yeah. G9, the G9 Rigger is actually pretty good. Everyone thinks it's a piece of junk. It has a special place to him because he knows that ship probably pretty well. A similar style to it. Yeah. Works for me. Awesome. I like it. Where... Let's see, where would I put that? There's the official like ship character sheet that we also have to bring up, but well, that's generally I, not something you have to worry about. Right I right. don't have that one up, so yeah. I think we don't have to worry too much. We, we're, we don't have to stand up the ship. Much right now, and we're not going to get him. But overall, that is how you make a character in Edge of the Empire. Yep, it is very fun. You can do essentially whatever you want, and still have a very very party about it. And Say it's a fun system, and we do all need to play again. We do. Yeah, I I like the character creation and and upgrade mainly because you you spend experience as you get it. It's not these like hard points where you take jumps like mm -hmm. D and D or something like that, or no mechanical progression. Just you're a better person because Star yeah. Trek. Um, <laughs> yeah but it also allows for like easy like i mean you have to save up a little bit but easier like kind of multi-classing mm -hmm. um because you can take a second class and and vary things a bit which yeah. i i because it's about the experience and not like this hard level system that yep D&D is it's not like you can't you either 
be the best pilot you can be or be a really good pilot and also something else like as long as you keep playing and you get more experience and you spend the experience you know increasing your piloting stuff or working down your pilot mm-hmm. skill tree like you can just keep getting better and better it's fine yeah yeah and the skill trees can do a lot for you so oh yeah I know it's like a Jedi. I started with one type of Jedi and then for the realize like, Oh, there aren't a lot of like, I can't really upgrade my force powers too much in this. Like I have to expand all the way down to get one more point in my force powers. So then I multi-class to another type of Jedi that also gets force powers and more of the, um, more of the spiritual stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like now there's a good ban- balance for my character. I like this. So, yeah, it's there's so much you can do with it, okay. and you don't even really have to worry about optimizing or anything so much because you can just throw things that you like into it and it can work. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's a good game. I think it's criminally underplayed. And I think it's criminally underplayed by our group. <laughs> it is. Because we're just all crazy busy as well. But I really enjoy doing this, and I think if everyone has the time, there's a lot of assets online. If you can't afford to get the official Fantasy Flight stuff, please don't pirate it. But if you need something as an intro to your game, this is a good start. Definitely don't pirate it. I'm poor. <laughs> anyway, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Drunken Dice Podcast. As Jim is emphasizing the drunken part of the day. I'm not drunk. <laughs> I just I said emphasizing. I've just been, you know, using the same PDF I've had for the entire time. Anyone have any other thoughts on the game? Or anything else that we spoke about today before we sign off? No, I don't think so. Daiquiris are delicious. They're light and refreshing and beautiful. Well, on that note, thank you for anyone who are tuning in, and we'll see you all next time.